3: You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Benatti Spine Institute, featuring the internationally acclaimed inventor of the Benatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Benatti, MD. Once again, here are Dr. Benatti and your host, Kimberly Brummel.
2: Thanks for joining us on American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Brummel, joined by my friend, Ethan Uecker.
4: I am glad to be here, and I feel a little bit lonely in the studio right now. I
2: know. Well, typically, Dr. Benatti would be in studio with us, but he cares so much about his patients, he is actually performing surgeries right now
4: now he will be from what i understand here mm-hmm. for the final segment of the show but yes he's yes. uh you know fixing backs and doing what he does so and
2: that's what happens when you're a doctor patient that's comes first right. always <laughs> yep. um with that said you know we we talk to so many patients that have really been to hell and back they they can't do the tasks that they used to love to do. They can't interact with their kids or their grandkids in the way that they want. They're losing their strength. They're not in motion anymore and they're watching life from the sidelines. That is no way to be. You know, if you've exhausted conservative type treatments and you realize you're not doing any better or you're being told only invasive slit you down the front, slit you down the back is going to make you better or that you need hardware, leave the hardware in a toolbox and seek out Bonatti because you do not have to be filleted to be fixed. With that said, we have an exciting show lined up. We're going to talk um, to Peter Rosenberg,er and he he's got some fascinating stuff. Well, it's a crazy story. About. He
4: he took care of his wife for, and continues to for yes. thirty years, and she's been she's now a w double amputee. Yeah. Like it's it's a ridiculous story, right. and it ties in with Obamacare. And how yes. it has really made his life a living hell as yeah. a caregiver. So he'll talk about I that. Know.
2: And caregivers need to take care of themselves, too. That's right. And then we're going to talk about liberalism and brainwashing kids, which <laughs> on this show is going to be a fascinating I actually topic.
4: booked that one for Doc, mm-hmm. so it's it's a damn shame he's not going to be here for mm-hmm. it, but...
3: We'll and carry then, it.
2: And then, of course, you'll hear what's new in American medicine today. But up first.
3: In today's Back to Life segment, we will talk to a patient of the Banati Spine Institute who went from living a life that was restricted by pain and discomfort through their journey of finding the Banati Spine Institute and are now living pain-free.
2: It is my pleasure to introduce to the program Julie Marcus from St. Petersburg, Florida. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, you guys. How are you? (laughs) Good, good. Very well. Um, Why don't you tell us how you came to be in pain? Uh, My journey, okay. Yes. (laughs) My journey started,
0: uh, I've had migraines for over 20 years, and I would average uh, 10 to 15 migraines a month. Mm -hmm. Um, In some cases, or most of the time, I was able to just take medication, get through my day with the pain and just survive it but probably one to two migraines of those um, during those months um, Mm -hmm. would be like debilitating. I'd be throwing up. Mm -hmm. I would, I couldn't function. I would just take whatever I could take to go to sleep and and try to get through them. There were cases where I even had to be hospitalized because of the migraines that I would get. That's unbelievable. Migraine is not a headache. A headache is, is one thing, but a migraine is
4: completely different, different
0: phenomenon. Mm -hmm. it's, It's, Horrifying. it's
2: horrible to have to, to have migraines julie you patient. you and i have actually discussed this in person because i suffered too with migraines to the point i didn't ever check myself into the hospital but i remember being curled up in a ball throwing up light sensitive smell mm-hmm. sound everything was an aggravator and i could have taken mm-hmm. the max amount of prescription meds And be crying because nothing. And at that point, it's like you want to die, and it it didn't matter. Like cool cloths, um, and you didn't know what to do. And you'd call the doctor, and the doctor would just say, "Well, you've taken Advil. No, you've (laughs) taken the maximum dose. There's nothing we can do for you." No,
0: you're and as a migraine user is suffer you you're you're so long past Advil. Yes, because you what you do is you go through the levels of meds yes. so you start with your ibuprofens and then you can't use those anymore because you end up with ulcers and right. then you uh, go yeah. with Tylenol and Tylenol doesn't do it anymore mm-hmm. then you have to go with more um, yes. heavier type medications for migraines and like you said Kim it's it's debilitating. I mean, you are, you're in tears and you, and there are times Mm -hmm. when I would be like, I just make it end. Just stop. I don't want to, I can't do this anymore. Like you're Mm -hmm. like uncle on the ground. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm Right. So, so how, that was, that was, that was the first part. That's the first part of my 20 years. But then what happened was about a year ago, Mm -hmm. I started getting this different type of pain that came out of my neck, about the C5, C6, C6, um, spinal area that okay. would that went right into my shoulder, where the trapezius muscle mm-hmm. is, so that muscle that's right sits right on top of that shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it was something I had never had before. and it just kept it was it just kind of kept getting progressively worse. Like right. all of a sudden, this pain radiated down into my elbow. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it was in my thumb. And it was very heavily um, predominant on my right side. Mm-hmm. But then I also had it to a lesser extent in my left elbow and my left thumb. And by April of this past year, this, you know, this current year, sure. it was so bad that my elbow was like this constant toothache oh. and my, the pain in my hands were it was unbearable. I lost strength. I couldn't open water bottles. I couldn't mm-hmm. even open the medication bottles. Um, I couldn't fold clothes. It was, it was very difficult to get dressed. I couldn't right. hold the steering wheel to my car. Oh my if goodness. you put paper, even just held me to hold a piece of paper in my hand, you could pull it right out from my hands. I had nothing left in my thumbs right. and it was, it, it was just, it was unbearable. And I had, um, I had done everything. Like okay. I said, my husband was a chiropractor. Right. So I've had chiropractic treatment for, for years. Sure. Um, I, I did acupuncture, craniosacral mm. massage therapy, yeah. epidural injections, trigger point injections,
2: nerve blockers, so, botox so, injections. I wow. did everything, Julie. And, so you know, the stuff you're,
0: only lasts for so long.
2: I know you're you're in that tremendous amount of pain. How did you find Benatti? Oh, so Dr.
0: Benatti, um, we have a history together because my husband had surgery with Dr. Benatti okay. back in 2006. And as I was with him during his time with Dr. Benatti Mm -hmm. in May, I heard two things that really uh, resonated with me. Sure. And one was my husband saying, and I quote this, I wish I would have done this sooner. And when I heard those two things, I said, here I have this opportunity with this Mm -hmm. amazing physician who has helped my husband, and why am I going to delay any longer? And I immediately... Set up an appointment
2: as consultation to okay. see what I could do to help my problem. Got it. So, so you have a consultation with Doctor Benatti. What was mm-hmm. that evaluation process like? Did you feel like he knew where the pain was stemming from? Oh, he 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 actually it was funny because he said, "Let me get, let me, let me." He's like, "I'd like to just uh,
0: guess where your pain is." And he literally was able to point to every Aww. every um, where my arm, where mm-hmm. it was coming down, what nerve root, right. And I just looked at him and smiled and said, "You got it. You nailed it. That's exactly what's going on." So okay. yeah, he knew exactly what um, he was doing. He knew, and I felt very, like again, confident. very
2: confident in in where mm-hmm. what were my next my next step was going. Sure. Julie, we're, we're almost out of time. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's place you in the operating room. You have the conscious IV sedation where they're interactive, where they, they talk to you and they ask you to try to recreate your pain. Where do you feel certain things? Can you quickly summarize what that experience is like? Yep. It makes sense. I know it seems
0: unorthodox to Mm -hmm. folks who are like, what? You're awake during some of the surgery, but it makes sense. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, uh, Dr. Bonatti is, cl- in essence, cleaning out an area that's aggravating nerve roots. Right. So, if you have places where things are being pushed on a nerve, mm-hmm. you need to recreate that pain, in essence, to be able to say, "Yeah, that I feel that you know, I feel that in my arm, mm-hmm. I feel that in my back, or I feel that down my leg." Right. And then once he cleans out that area, so if you have you know, uh, 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 if you have um, bone spurs, or you have sure. stenosis, or what, which is what I had, you, or herniation. Mm-hmm. You fix those issues, and then he's like, do you have pain down your arm anymore? And you can say, no, I don't. Do you have pain right. here? No, I don't have it. And you can confirm right. before being sewn up, taken to a recovery room, wake up, and then say, wait, my, my pain's still there. Right. So you know that you're good before you even um, – are done with your surgery. So to me, it's a no brainer. Like why would you want to leave an operating room? Correct. Not knowing whether or mm-hmm. not the surgery was a success. And with Dr. Benati, you know,
2: before you even become, before you even go to the recovery room, you know, you're going to be good. Sure. And now Julie, you're, you're a different case because you, you had multiple things that were um, wrong with with your spine and I know you're not through because you still have another side that you need to tackle, but based on mm-hmm. what you went through for the side that was treated, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, fantastic. I had a laminectomy, disectomy, frame anatomy on my C five, C six and then I had it on C six, C seven. Right. So and I understand the levels that make sense to me because sure. you know, in, in some cases you can do a level and then your your problem is gone. Right. Um, So why have unnecessary surgery if you can possibly tackle the worst area first and then be pain-free? So I understood the the methodology as Mm -hmm. to why we were doing what we were doing, Sure, tackling one side first before doing the left side first. And not only that,
2: but incrementally within that, so addressing one pain route at a time.
0: Exactly. And so, again, this is a conservative approach to healthcare. care. Mm-hmm. I see it as a responsible approach okay. because it's basically why would you want to have more surgeries than necessary? So I Absolutely. felt that this was this was good for me because, as you, you know, I went through I, I didn't want I wanted to fix my problem mm-hmm. in the most non-aggressive way possible. Yes. And to me, Dr. Benatti, that's what he gives his patients is, is a cure to their issues, but in a very um, conservative way and minimally invasive way. So I, I appreciated the, the step yeah. In my um, in health care.
2: Julie, thank you so much. I know you're very busy. Thank you so much for joining us on the program and walking us through your experience at the Benatti Spine Institute. Well,
0: I think I said give my thanks to Dr. Bonati for giving me my life back.
2: Oh, well, thank Will you do. so much. Thanks, Julie. All right. Bye-bye, bye bye, y'all. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's a testament to what the Bonatti Spine Institute does on a daily basis and why we target things incrementally to target each pain to make sure it's resolved. Make sure you stay tuned because coming up after the break, you're going to hear about seven caregiver landmines interesting stuff. Make sure you stay tuned. You're listening
3: to American Medicine Today, presented by the Banati Spine Institute, featuring the internationally acclaimed inventor of the Bonatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Benatti, MD. Once again, here are Dr.
4: Bonatti and your host, Kimberly Brummel.
2: <laughs> Thanks for joining us on American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Brummel, joined by Ethan Uecker.
4: Who is not Dr. Bonatti. Correct. But uh, I am here.
2: Yes. And Do- Dr. Benatti is providing help to his patients, but he will be joining us later.
4: Yeah, as we know, typically, Doc is here Mm -hmm. uh, when we do the show, but the patients come first. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, has every intention of joining us for the final segment of the show.
2: And he's going to be so sad because with Donald Trump being elected president, Mm -hmm. many of us are hoping to see a repeal of Obamacare. Mm -hmm. At least I know I am. And Doc. And someone who would like to see that happen is Peter Rosenberger, author of Seven Caregiver Landmines and How You Can Avoid Them. So thank you for joining us on the program.
1: So thank you, Kimberly. Thanks, Ethan.
4: You got it. Now, Peter, um, before we get into a possible repeal of Obamacare, (laughs) we'll definitely want to talk about that. Let's get into your story. These statistics are crazy, and I'm going to have to read them because uh, it's just (laughs) insane. As your wife's sole caregiver for 30 years, you've navigated through 78 operations, the amputation of both of her legs, treatment by more than 60 doctors in 12 hospitals, Seven different medical insurance companies and nine million dollars in medical bills. Tell us about this. Tell us all about it. The bad
1: thing is, that's out of date.
4: Is it really? Uh, (laughs) It's more than that now. I can't
1: keep up with it all because it just keeps growing, but it it has been a journey. And uh, we've learned a lot of hard lessons along the way.
4: Well, tell tell us how Obamacare uh, made obstacles for you.
1: Gracie is okay. That's my wife, Gracie. She's okay. I've got her settled up now. We've, we've I've worked through that process. I'm the problem. Uh, I had a policy with Humana here for 10 years, and all of a sudden they came up this year and said, hey, we're not going to offer this one anymore, uh, but we're going to give you one that's more expensive. <laughs> and I said, well, no, mm-hmm. I'll go out to the <clears throat> quote-unquote marketplace. I've uh, never found much of a marketplace if there's only one store. Sure. And um, so I went out there to you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, got squared away with them. It's a crappy policy, and then they came back and they said we're pulling out of Tennessee, oh. and I thought, well, that just really w-
2: sucks. Was that before and, or after you paid your premium? I'm just curious. Well,
1: that was, I'd already, they'd already got one premium out of me, so you know. But, but they're, I'm good through the end of the year. Actually, i have good through. Uh, I got to be registered by next week, and I, I think what I'm going to do is probably just go and get a better policy that'll yeah. cover me and right. just pay the penalty. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of really are sucks. It. And that brings me to why I'm talking to you guys today because, look, I'm a caregiver. Sure. 72% of caregivers do not see their own doctor regularly.
2: But how is that possible? I mean, I realize that your focus would be on the person you're providing the care for, but if something happens to you, what in essence happens to them?
1: Right. Well, that, that is the question, Kimberly, and, and this is what I'm on a mission to do is to help my fellow caregivers understand that you're not being selfish if you go to the doctor.
2: Correct.
1: And if you want to help a caregiver... Don't say, hey, let me know if there's something I can do to help you. Say, hey, can we sit with your loved one while you go get a physical? Certainly. While you go see your doctor? That yes. kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. we don't see to our own medical needs, and the stress on a caregiver is just crushing. If you're taking care of somebody mm-hmm. with full-blown Alzheimer's, for example, it takes five to ten years off of your life.
2: Wow. I bet it, it does is, because it's, it's mentally taxing. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: it, it is brutal. And so and caregivers don't and, – and, yeah, in the Affordable Care Act – which I, I use the word affordable with a little bit of sarcasm. Correct. A little, they, yes. They, um, they do offer some a lot of preventive things like colonoscopies and so forth, and those are important. But a lot of caregivers are dealing with real health issues, and they have a $6,000 deductible or in a $600 a month premium, they're going to push that off and push that off. So the sickest among us are being taken care of us by people themselves Correct. who are not doing well.
2: And how about the out-of-pocket cost? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, then that just escalates up and up and up and up. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Basically, Obamacare is good if you get hit by an asteroid.
4: (laughs) You never know. So you're saying there's a chance.
2: Right, exactly. So it's not really worth the paper it's written on, Mm. but it's costing people many thousands of dollars, Mm. if not in the high hundreds.
1: Well, it was written by people who were ideologues, not people who have practical experience as a consumer or professional right. in the healthcare world. Mm-hmm. Correct. And th- this is one is one academic said to another, "Hey, it works in practice, but will it work in theory?"
2: Right. Well, I I also heard the phrase, you know, the American people are stupid. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that what Gruber said well, when he was coming up with yeah. this whole Scam? Yeah,
1: they, they, they said that, and, and, right. and I look at them, and I think, you know, I've navigated a, a nightmare of a medical journey. I've never that lost an appeal it. with a, with an insurance company.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I'm, I'm going to be hard-pressed to hear that I'm stupid from people like this.
2: Correct. Correct.
1: And and so, you know, I, I but, I'm on, but again, I'm on a mission here to help my fellow caregivers make mm-hmm. better choices for their own health, and then hopefully I can use my voice to lend to the cause of saying to these guys in Washington, you guys are responsible for the safety and the security of a nation Mm -hmm. and that includes our financial security as well we're 20 trillion dollars in debt and these guys got a cranial rectal interface going on up there (laughs) they're saying well we don't know what to do and so we've elected somebody who says here's what i'm going to do and and somebody asked me the other day they said well what about this leap of faith that we've taken with trump and i said we haven't Mm -hmm. taken a leap of faith with trump we know what trump is we took a leap of faith with obama
2: yes thank you thank you for that so
1: so what I'm, t- and then these, then these Republicans are coming back and say, "Well, we, this may take several years. They've had years to look at this thing."
2: Right, and and only so now maybe they want to make a change.
1: People are getting hurt,
5: mm-hmm.
1: and caregivers. There's seventy two percent of these people, and there are sixty five million caregivers. So that's forty million caregivers oh. are not seeing their own doctor regularly, and they're taking care of the sickest among us. Forty seven percent of caregivers are in the workforce. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to affect our economy? How right. do you think that's going to affect the workplace? You know, it's it's going to get worse and worse and worse because of these baby boomers that are that are stepping into senior status. Yes, and families are coming apart trying to take care of them. The cost of long term care insurance, all these things are crushing on a family. Right, and we've added one more impediment to healthy caregivers, and that's what Obamacare has done. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Just quickly, what do you think about Trump's pick of Tom Price as the health secretary? You think it's a good choice?
1: You know, my wife has had more than. Fifty something orthopedic surgeries in her life. She had a really bad car wreck. And I've worked with a lot of orthopedic surgeons like Tom Price. Mm -hmm. I have found that they're pretty good at mending broken things. So I think it's a good pick. Great. Excellent.
2: Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but such an important topic. Peter Rosenberger, um, author of Seven Caregiver Landmines and How You Can Avoid Them. Um, You know, I I pray that you're in uh, good health, Peter, and that you will Continue to be, and um, please pass on our thoughts and prayers for your wife.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Kimberly. And y'all have a Merry Christmas. You, you too. too. Thanks,
4: Peter.
2: Thank you.
1: All right, we'll see you.
2: Yeah, bye bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to American Medicine Today. Make sure you stay tuned because coming up, Dr. Carol Swain talking about abduction, how liberalism steals our children's hearts and minds. Bum,
4: bum, bum. Sounds stay
3: dramatic. Stay
2: tuned. I know.
4: <laughs> it's going to be good.
3: You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Banati Spine Institute, featuring the internationally acclaimed inventor of the Bonatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Benatti, MD. Once again, here are Dr. Benatti and your host, Kimberly Burmell.
2: Thanks for listening to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Burmell, joined by our friend, Ethan Uecker. Glad to be here. All right. Well, the one that's missing is world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Alfred Benatti, who will be joining us for our very last segment.
4: The next segment. Yes. Hopefully.
2: And he's going to be so sorry Mm -hmm. because, well, yes and no. He's helping his patients. So in that regard, he's very happy. (laughs) Um, But right now uh, joining us is Dr. Carol Swain, professor of political science and law at Vanderbilt University. She's also an award-winning author and one of the leading experts for Dinesh D'Souza's film, Hillary's America. We love Dinesh. We certainly do. Mm -hmm. And she's the co-author of the new book, Abduction, How Liberalism Steals Our Children's Hearts and Minds which is a call against cultural decline in america and (laughs) we need that big time yes we do thanks for joining us dr swain
5: hello it's my pleasure to uh, be on your show today
4: well we appreciate it now uh your book discusses how the left has corrupted not only movies and television and the media but even court decisions news reports and even our very own educational system explain what you mean
5: Mm -hmm. well one of the things that uh we try to do in the book is to alert parents, grandparents, and in some cases, educators, and just people that are concerned about the de- the decline in the culture, mm-hmm. just how systematic uh, the attack is on traditional values. And there are many situations yes. where parents feel safe about sending their children, certainly to public schools,
1: mm-hmm.
5: not aware of what's actually being taught even uh, at kindergarten level yeah. uh, about sex. that. Kids, you know, as young as, um, you know, five, six, eight, are being right. exposed to things that, you know, shouldn't be. Many people that are older didn't learn until they were, you know, junior high school age, if mm-hmm. they learned it at all. Correct. And this is being systematically done, and we see the aggressive LGBT agenda yes. uh, in our public schools. It accelerated after President Obama was elected, but that's one area that we cover. Some of the other things we cover include uh, the research that shows the harmful effects that violent video games, TV shows, and movies can have mm-hmm. on not just young people but anyone. It sort of desensitizes them to violence. Yes. and if they're playing video games, just like the kids um, uh, in, at Columbine High School that you know killed their classmates and a teacher, um, it. Trains them, you know, how to kill, not to have remorse. Mm -hmm. Uh, In many cases, young people are playing games that the army uses to teach people how to kill.
4: Now, Mm Doctor Swain, devil's advocate here, because Mm -hmm. I got to say, I don't know about you, Kimberly, I definitely grew up watching violent movies, playing violent video games, uh, but you you knew playing war with friends. Yeah. You know, I, so I don't think it's necessarily video games and movies and things like that as violent as they are. Well, I think it's a weak mind. Um, there's some seeds of mental illness in some okay. of these people. I don't think you can blame it on video games well, and
5: movies. Well, what kind I, of forces did you have in your family? What kind of family did you grow up in?
4: I had a great family.
2: But, but so they were around they, to tell you the right and wrong, Correct. Well, of course. Right. So that's, I think, the difference that you're talking about, Dr. Swain. Am I correct?
5: Yeah, because I'm thinking about uh, we see all the violence, uh, for example, in the inner city, Chicago, for example. And I remember seeing an interview of a guy that had killed people, been in a gang, but he had gotten saved, Christian salvation, while he was in prison. Mm -hmm. And he said that he didn't know that it was wrong to kill. You know, he had never heard "Thou shall not kill." Oh, come on. It was not something that was taught him, and so I think when you have—I uh, believe that humans have with, within them an ingrained conscience. So whether you teach them or not, we basically know right from wrong. Right. Some of that's just in us; we don't have to be taught. But if you are, if some people, you know, and you can call them the weak-minded, or you can call them people that don't have. The moral underpinnings of a family that teaches them right and wrong. That's
2: because they have removed God and Christianity from teachings they say it's wrong oh we don't believe in your god well how about just a, a common decency and morals and values i think it
4: goes void. i think it goes beyond denomination too i yeah. mean there's people of all religions who know inherently you that you shouldn't kill other people yes. that's just as you well, said you know, dr swain having a conscience like in
5: the black community we have this astronomical uh single parent households where mm-hmm. you have not just young people but all the older people too having children out of wedlock right. um you know, I'm 62. I'm not ashamed to tell my age. Mm-hmm. I married Good at 16. You. I married very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believed that it was wrong to have, you know, sex outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. It was important to me to be married before I had my first child. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that just seems absurd to a lot of people. But right. for me, you know, it uh, mm-hmm. it mattered what I had been taught and what sure. I believed. Nowadays, uh young people are not being told the truth. And some of the things that's true uh, in the inner city, if people finished high school, if they waited until they were married to have their first child, and if they got a job, those three simple things, they would not, uh, they, they are so far less likely to be in poverty. And, uh, you know, just those three simple things, if it were taught, and if it we're taught with some type of um, of, um in conjunction with other ethical and moral behavior, mm-hmm. I think you would see lives turned around in the inner city.
2: Right, but but everyone is so afraid to harm the child by telling them maybe the path they're on is not correct, and they're trying to be too PC about it and not offend the children. They're not guiding them anymore.
5: Well, here's something that I feel, you know, we talk about it in the, the book, In the book, you know, homosexuality is just, a small part of the book and mm-hmm. and there's a section on how to raise the gender confused child, and no matter you know who you are or what you believe or mm-hmm. um, because of our society and the campaigning I would say that comes from the LGBT community, we're going to have more and more members of our family, uh, young people that are gender confused, right. and some of them, you know, may be homosexual or transgender, right. or they feel that they are. Uh, we have to be prepared for that. And my first admonition to the parent is not to freak out, Well, you know, be calm, get information, uh, because unless you come from the most liberal background, mm-hmm. you're going to be concerned for all sorts of reasons, and it has nothing to do with hate. A lot of it has to do with just knowing that that person is going to su- suffer more types of health yeah. risk than people that are heterosexual. I mean, that's a fact right. that if you actually talk about the, the medical mm-hmm. research or the scientific research about that, you know, you're dismissed. Sure. But it's out there. And when it comes to sexual reassignment with transgender people, mm-hmm. helping them get to the operation, to transition right. into what they think they are, once that happens, they're more likely to commit suicide than before. Right. would it be more humane to get them psychiatric treatment? rather than start feeding kids as young as eight, hormones to help them transition okay that's what we're doing and that's legal
2: but but dr swain let me stop you for a second because one of the first comments you made at the beginning of the segment had to do with them talking about sex and gender identity when they're children when they're little babies i'm sorry when i was a kid and i'm heterosexual i would hold the hand of my little girlfriend and it was just that it was a friend you took by the hand boy or girl it didn't make me a lesbian.
5: I know. But and I nowadays, you, I but nowadays in my book that uh, when I was growing up, I had a best friend named Patsy. Right. Her name is Patsy Martin. And I love Patsy Martin. I wanted to do things with Patsy Martin. It never occurred to me to marry Patsy M- Martin or that but, I was engaged in inappropriate behavior. I think it's normal for your first close relationship to be someone of the same sex. Sure, but Nowadays, it doesn't... we tell kids to question themselves yes. when that natural, normal thing happens.
2: And why? That is so confusing to a child. Little boys can well, hold well, they can, wanna, hold hands, they
5: they they can hug, excuses, they can show and, emotion. Uh, so, like, even now, like, I have girlfriends, I'm single divorced and and many Mm -hmm. of them are divorced and sometimes we go on vacations together right and uh, we go being fully aware that the way the society is now people might say people might think correct but you know we know you know that we are two heterosexual people sure you know going on vacation and we don't allow what people might think to stop that but we live in a society where it's so sad that you know, women uh, can't have girlfriends anymore Correct. because people might think that they're sexual partners. But but it, it's yeah, but who so cares
4: sad. if people think that? I mean, I took I know, that's
5: I, what I say. I took my I own brother
4: on, on a motorcycle ride, and he was riding on the back, and I was like, uh-huh. "Dude, you realize people are probably going to think we're gay?" And I was joking, and we we're but who cares? I mean, yeah. who cares if people think
2: that?
5: That that's... Well, they, they they do, and they try to stigmatize mm-hmm. you, and uh, but that's not the, the focus of that book. Really <laughs> back to that. To yeah. mostly with what's happened, happening to our young people and just these mm-hmm. situations where parents that have, you know, generational mm-hmm. uh, families where they have honored God and been Christian, they send that kid to these colleges, elite universities, and before Thanksgiving the child has been stolen because they have intimidated them and browbeaten them to the point that they're ashamed of that Christian roots.
2: I don't know how the world flip-flopped. I mean, it's in God we trust is on all our money. And and you just need a solid foundation, whether no matter what religion, you just you need a well, foundation I think that the Bible. Just morals, you know, if you actually look
5: at what the Bible says, uh, as Christians, we know that we're going to be a minority. I we're going to be uh, persecuted. And because in America we have had it so good for so long that we've sort of lost sight of the reality mm-hmm. of us being targeted, of us having a real enemy. Correct.
2: Correct. And unfortunately, it seems to be homegrown um, enemies. Mm. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on the program. We really love the discussion. Dr. Carol Swain, professor of political science and law at Vanderbilt University and award-winning author and co-author of a new book, Abduction, How Liberalism Steals Our Children's Hearts and Minds, Something Too Valuable and We Can't Allow It to Continue to Occur.
4: Thanks for joining us, Dr. Swain. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. She's a little bit way too right for, for me. Oh,
2: she's, you, she's, and, you know what? I, I appreciate I, her. Well,
4: you're way more right than I am, too. Not that I'm some you know liberal what? either. but know
2: I, I don't like the idea of confusing our kids. Our kids are, are so innocent, and we're putting these stupid notions in their heads. Let them figure out what life is before attaching a label.
4: Yeah, but when have you seen somebody—and we we got to take a break anyways. Yeah. This this could continue. I right know. We, we, you talk about— letting them decide I mean, that's the way I was brought up. I mean, you you either know or, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't need to put the
2: notion in their mind to make them second-guess themselves. But do you really think there's parents out there going, well,
4: you might be gay? Yes, and they are teaching
2: it, and it is accepted. It is part of the (laughs) curriculum. Hell yes. Okay. And it should be hell no. Leave our damn kids alone. Let them be kids. On that note, (laughs) I'm just, I need to take a breather. Anyway, uh, make sure you stay tuned, right, because you're going to find out what's new. You're listening to American Medicine Today.
3: You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Banati Spine Institute, featuring the internationally acclaimed inventor of the Banati Spine Procedures, Alfred Bonatti, MD. Once again, here are Dr. Banati and your host, Kimberly Brummel.
2: Thanks for listening to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Brummel, joined by Ethan Uecker. Glad to be here. And world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Alfred Benatti of the Banati Spine Institute. Thanks for sharing your time with us.
3: Hello. Let's look at what's new in medicine today, featuring Alfred Benatti MD.
2: All right, how do we go about repealing the world's worst item, Obamacare?
6: I thought you were just going to leave it wide in open. In my humble opinion. There's a lot in of my bad things opinion. in the world, but now it's not the humble opinion. the general know, okay, opinion of the whole okay, country. well
2: we have ISIS and that might
6: That's pretty terrible.
2: <laughs> be before this, but but what affects care? Well, and that's um, the worst. A bad is president
6: care. affect hel- uh, health care. Yeah. Politicians af- affect health care. Incompetent, mediocre individuals that they don't understand what health care is sure. affect health care. So what we need to do is we need to start to be wise enough mm-hmm. to don't touch health care when health care works. Right. Now, health care was working pretty good. They always told us there were 11 million people that they didn't mm-hmm. have health care. Now we have 20 million people without health care. Right. And we removed 20 million people that they have already health care and put it in Medicaid that is the worst medical insurance mm-hmm. in the nation.
2: So in other words, we took people off of um, insurance plans that they loved, that provided the care that they need. Mm-hmm. And you threw them into a tailspin of Obamacare, which left them in a lurch because they no longer had access to the doctors they needed, medications they needed, and it really wasn't worth the paper that it was written on. Because when you go to use it, you find out there's a lot of extra hidden costs. Yeah, but
6: not only that, the fact that they removed these people from a good health care mm-hmm. that they had before, right. they also taught The managers of these companies how to cheat. Mm -hmm. So they taught them if they don't give healthcare, they're going to have some benefits. They're going to have more money on their pocket. Mm. Then the problem is they corrupted the whole system, system that was working, that was responsible. Since the individuals of the left start to Mm -hmm. tackle health care with the idea to give health care to everybody, the only thing that they did is give health care to nobody.
2: Okay. But why, why would a good government like our current administration, why on earth would they do that to the good citizens of America?
6: Because they don't care about the citizens of America. The politicians don't care. If they will care... Mm -hmm. They will be in the same Obamacare, okay? They will be with Mm -hmm. the same type of health care. But they're not,
4: right? You know know what I've seen uh, from Obamacare, Doc? And my wife, like, she runs a beauty salon. She Mm -hmm. has some girls that work there that don't make a ton of money. A lot of them are single, a couple of them are single moms. Mm -hmm. They love Obamacare (laughs) because it is essentially free health care for them. So it's the very, very small few sector of society that do reap the benefits of mm-hmm. Obamacare. The rest of us, my wife included, who, mm-hmm. again, she manages the same place so where there's girls probably, getting it for free. She
2: doesn't she, qualify.
4: Well, she got a form of Obamacare, right. but the costs were astronomical. But you know, the deductible you know, was $6,000. It was so much more than what she was paying before. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but right. you, know,
6: you don't understand what you get. Okay, you, when but, when you when you go and you say, oh, they love Obamacare. You know why they love Obamacare? It's because free. no, no, because it's free. Number one, right. but so number two, yeah. when they go to the doctor, they go right. for dumb things like, oh, I have a little pimple in my nose. What do I do right. now? Or I it? need yes. I need some extra free glasses. What I do now. Oh, I need my fingernails to be right. painted. That is the quality but true of
2: true medical care. But
6: just wait, you have an aneurysm. <laughs> they're not going to get. Just what you have an aneurysm mm-hmm. on your belly, and then the, you go to emergency room, and the person comes to you and said you need to have an emergency mm-hmm. operation, or you're going to die in the next five hours because okay. you are bleeding in your intestines okay. in mm-hmm. your in your inside in inside of your belly right now. We
2: covered this.
6: Then when you do that, you need to elect a Medicaid physician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Medicaid physician is really the best, the worst physician in the in the in the surroundings of the the restroom of doctors. Mm-hmm. So what happened is is an individual poorly trained, he's gonna put his hands on you. Mm-hmm. You know what is the mortality in comparison to the people who has yes. a good doctor and a bad doctor? I'm sure it's much higher.
2: Ninety five percent.
6: Ninety five percent of mortality Federally rate
2: funded healthcare
6: Wow. If it's government
2: funded health care. If something big should happen and you go in, you have ninety five percent chance of dying.
4: Yes. Well if yes. they knew this, they probably wouldn't love well, Obamacare.
6: That's why right. they love Obamacare. Well, because obviously. you just you, yeah. just you just said young people Correct. who works with her they are not sick. No, they're not sick okay. at all. Correct. If they have some sickness probably will be a toothache. But mm-hmm.
2: understand mm-hmm. too when when you find out that the freebies are for the the lowest income individuals mm-hmm. that means that they will never strive to be better because right. once they hit a certain point you're dropped on your head.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and exactly. you can't
2: afford uh, three times the amount that you're paying now or four times and that's exactly how it's set up to keep you, keep the
6: poor poor. A, but, you know, a
2: slave to the system. Well, me, and that's what he's me, been talking about for years. Let mm-hmm. me add
6: something here because this is really important. I know have okay. very little time, but you know, if we, if we are going to repeal Obamacare, uh, um, uh, Trump is is really saying two things: that they're gonna they're gonna keep the pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. and they are going to also keep the the, the the generation of kids that they are twenty before twenty six years right. old. They're going to remain on their parents' uh, insurance. I think that's uh, the idea. Looks okay. I don't but know how don't costly actually. is going to be that. Mm. But you know what? That bothers me. The senators, uh, McCall, for example, is saying that they are going to repeal Obamacare because it's going to be the first order in the Congress to do this. But the major Mm -hmm. trouble is when, when they're going to do that. Then um, the other senator... Uh, Barroso said that it's going to take three to four years. That is a horrible mistake. Mm. If you if you maintain this this monster for three or four more years, you're not going to be able you're not going to be able to take it out. Oh, so I know the other, how they'll maintain a, it. How?
2: they're going to defund Medicare?
6: No, no, mm. no oh, no, they, already not, they already what, did by what six
2: hundred and some Billion million dollars. dollars? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
6: but the, let me tell you this: the other the other problem is. If they maintain this one, uh, the, others, the other, the other, the, the uh, other, another senator said that they they need to go, they need to they need to be very ke- careful that they don't drop some people through the cracks.
4: Mm-hmm. They've no. already
6: been dropped. That is the that is exactly the typical weakness of the Republicans: individuals to have. To have a contract with a country to produce something, and they're already watering out the whole system. So, when Trump is going to try to push this one, they are going to length the thing. If they're talking about four years, they're talking about the whole presidential time of, uh, of Correct. Trump. No, so, it they're needs going to be, be something fighting done him. Done now. And this mm-hmm. program needs to be funded now and out today. And then reorganized. The same thing that Obama did. To destroy the whole system mm-hmm. in one day. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Well, blow it up and reform.
6: Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we will see what happens.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're about out of time. Make sure you check us out again next week. You can find us nationally on Bloomberg. And we're also here locally on WFTS ABC 28 here in Tampa. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
3: You're listening to American Medicine Today, presented by the Benatti Spine Institute, featuring the internationally acclaimed inventor of the Benatti Spine Procedures, Alfred Bonati MD. Once again, here are Dr. Bonati and your host, Kimberly
4: Vermell
2: Thank you for listening to American Medicine Today. I'm Kimberly Brummel, joined by Ethan Uecker.
4: Happy to be here as always. And
2: our guest, Dr. Dominic Malio. He decided to stick around and continue the discussion about um, being an
7: in, in charge. charge
2: and it's in charge parenting mm-hmm. that is the topic of discussion in a
7: pc we're in a pc nation yes i think that's yes. an important concept
2: oh, you have no idea uh-huh. now we all struggle as parents how to set our children on the right path mm-hmm. and you know i was spanked as a child not often but on occasion
4: well that means you were well behaved because if yes. it wasn't often right you because didn't need it.
2: you had <laughs> Enough fear of your parent; they weren't abusive, but you had enough fear to keep you in line. Mm-hmm. And you hear nowadays that if you spank your children, are going to be stupid or it's abusive. Can you elaborate on on whether that's just why would it make them insane? stupid? But but these are the <laughs> if studies you hit him that come out.
7: in the no, okay, but, but, they're, maybe. but they're
2: telling people to that it's abusive, and and they will. They they claim they've done these studies, and the children have scarred. not progressed yeah. as well as they should have, and they blame it on spanking.
7: This uh, issue has been going on for a long time now. Right. And, uh, you know, if you get hit by two-by-fours and, and you get hit and where you're bleeding, it is abusive, obviously. Sure. Um But it's the concept really has to be, is it moderate spanking versus abusive spanking? Right. Yes, there's spanking that's abusive, but Elizabeth Owens out of uh, University of California, Berkeley, did a study in 2004, which showed that moderate spanking does have, I mean, doesn't have any impact on your social, emotional, mm-hmm. or mental development at all. So, you know, that that's that's out of a very liberal institution coming up with that. And many, many other people have come up with moderate spanking as, you know, not harmful at all to the child. Sure. But I think we have gone way past spanking, even looking at a child and Demanding a child do something, yes. uh, can be considered abusive now. Mm-hmm. They, we're, we're in such a PC world, where maybe it's changing a little bit. But the whole point of this PC concept is that if you do anything that another person may not like, uh, you might be reported. You mm-hmm. might right. be in trouble. You may you may not be looked upon as a good mm-hmm. parent. It was just the opposite years ago when you did when you know when parents reprimanded their children, mm-hmm. other people passing by would say, "That's you listen to your parents. Correct. Because we we wanted, at that time, the children to be the best they can be. And now it seems the children think they are the best they can be and they haven't done anything yet, right. while right. the parents think they're the worst they can be as a parent. And they have been brainwashed. This whole PC movement, anything that a parent does that is kind of, um, how do I say it, um, straightforward— it's abuse now right mm-hmm. and 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 that is affecting not only parents but also teachers they do not know what to do as well their kids could uh, spit on them punch them do all sorts mm-hmm. of things and, and they cannot touch them now they have to back off they had to get a right. uh, you know security person to come in uh and the children have very little respect for these people so what would what what I think has to be done is we have to regain the concept that when you have authority, if a person is in authority, you, you be careful because mm-hmm. they can use that authority. Just the same way with with the, uh, the whole the whole thing with police. If you don't follow their instructions, um, yes. you are causing yourself a lot potential harm. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think no, they can push. The, as they as they learn to push their parents, mm-hmm. as they learn to push their teachers, as they learn to push the cops. They don't realize they are getting to a point where it's no longer acceptable, Correct. and that point is getting further, further away. It's getting to the right. point where almost everything mm-hmm. is acceptable. It's upside down now. The right. kids have the control, and the the who um, the you know thugs have control. Police have no control. It's teachers have no control, but especially parents, they have very little control.
2: Oh, yeah. It's it, as soon as someone gets shot and you go, why did they get shot? Well, they didn't immediately surrender or put their hands down or do what the cop said. We were raised in a time where if somebody said something to you. You stopped. You listened to them. Unless it was something that was going to cause you harm. Right. Especially if if, they had a gun. If they have a gun pointed at you. (laughs) I'm going to listen to you (laughs) if you
4: got a gun in my face. Correct.
2: And then they get shot and the parents go, well, they didn't need to do that. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe they needed to understand my child. Well, maybe your child needed to be raised to understand an authority figure giving them a directive.
4: And what I hate nowadays are just parents are overly permissive with things where Mm -hmm. i can't tell you i and i'm someone who doesn't have kids for the record and Mm -hmm. don't want any Mm -hmm. frankly um i have nieces and nephews and i can enjoy them but i can give them back um but i can't tell you i was just on a flight to new york um just a couple of weeks ago kid behind me kicking the seat kicking the seat Mm -hmm. dad's sitting right there watching him do it Mm -hmm. but he's reading a book right if that was me when i was a kid I would have got backhanded. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have, first yes. of all I wouldn't have done that because Correct. I was a well-behaved child better. because I knew better. Mm-hmm. But now and I mean you go And the, you
7: knew better because your father and mother were strong parents. Yes. Right. But That's I mean exactly you go to the right. grocery
4: store and there's a kid throwing a tantrum and pulling yes. things off the shelves and the parent mm-hmm. is just standing there letting him do it. I don't mm-hmm. understand the mentality.
7: If you study the people that have been serial killers. I mean, I've always been amazed over over uh, you know 50 years watching this thing. Almost everyone's parent says they were very good children right yeah. they're very nice boys and um, that is so far from the truth because you don't just become a serial killer unless you have some serious issues so yes um, but that's the way parents think today the teacher is always wrong the the other parents are always wrong they take the side of the kid because it's politically correct mm-hmm. you know and, and this this has got to stop because we have a future and our future is our children and if we don't we don't get them to be trained appropriately, then uh, we're going to have chaos. Just mm-hmm. the same way you have chaos in a classroom where a teacher is not doing their job. Right. It's the same thing.
4: Well, I know when I was a student as well, Like, mm-hmm. um, I got in trouble one time when I was in fourth grade. Again, I'm 37 years old, so do the math. Um, got in trouble, teacher popped me on the butt. You know, My parents said, you probably deserved it. Mm-hmm. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Another right. time, a teacher literally... Put his hands on my neck because he wanted to choke me. Didn't physically choke. Now that one, my mom was a little irritated about, you know, because yeah. he whatever. <laughs> but uh, but again, yeah. te- teachers wouldn't dream of doing that nowadays because mm-hmm. they'd be they'd be fired, they'd probably be sued, they'd be arrested, brought up on charges. Mm-hmm.
7: Mm-hmm. If you want to double that at thirty seven age and you go into <laughs> that world. What, what was that world was very simple. If you got punished by teachers, right or wrong or anything, it didn't matter. You get punished at home. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was just a double whammy. And now it's mm-hmm. just the opposite. The parent will come up and they will argue and fight in order to protect the child without even finding out what they did. Because here's what they say. It's always the same thing. They say, I know what happened in the classroom. Well, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. Because my child told me. Now, right. like children, I hate to say this, they lie. They they think, and they lie because lying is natural. Being honest is is a trained behavior that takes a long time to train a child Mm -hmm. into. So anyway, that's the the history.
2: But you bring up honesty and truth, and you have to instill that in your children. I try to tell my daughter, "Look, I need to always be able to trust you. You must always tell mommy the truth. Mommy always, because again, my parents told me if you lie, you get caught in your lie." And then you have to tell so many lies and then remember what the original lie was. And it's too much work. But it's true. So too. you need to tell the truth. Exactly. <laughs> it is true. And so my whole life, I've always told the truth. Well, even and so being... I try to instill that in her. And, and she'll, and like you said, kids are kids and they'll try. But overall, I'd say she's very truthful. But there are some times I go, Bella, I just watched you do this. And then she looks and, and then she goes, oh, sorry, mommy.
4: Does she knows she's busted. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Exactly. But, but if she
7: never gets busted, she'll lie. Right. You have the to problem. know your
2: children, and you also have to know they the kids try to divide and conquer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have to let them know no. But you also have to know your child enough to know when they're faking, fake mm-hmm. tears, fake this, fake that, and you have to be able to see through it. They're and little it's spending actors. And quality actresses. time. I agree. Fascinating conversation. We could continue this mm-hmm. forever. Um, great <laughs> book. In Charge Parenting in a PC Nation. Make sure you check it out, um, Dr. Dominic Malio. Where can people get your book?
7: Uh, Amazon, Google. It, it, it's, you know They look on every, any place, really.
2: Okay. All right. Really great book. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you bye. for joining us
7: well, on American Thank you Medicine for having today. me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.